warning, this is your last chance to know there are absolutely no spoilers in this podcast, but you damn right we're going to talk about the Black Panther. Shout outs. This is a true story. To find out what happens, what happens? when people stop being polite. Start getting. <laughs> episode 43 of the real world um this week i want to title this episode enter wakanda obviously i know that you know most of my friends have probably seen black panther a lot of my listeners have seen black panther and because of the power of our dollar we clearly see uh what we've been able to accomplish in pushing black panther to be i believe the you know um most watched movie uh, that's ever come out in February. I want to say it's maybe third on Marvel's list behind Winter Soldier and Captain America. I mean, not Captain America, but the Avengers. Um, excuse me if I messed up the numbers, but I know it's a it's been a huge, huge success so far. Um, one of the things that I wanted it, wanted this movie to do was to kind of finally dispel the notion uh, that an all black cast would dampen the numbers and the box office returns. So I want to give a huge shout out to the cast of that, uh, to my man from Oakland, Ryan Coogler, who has this straight up Oakland accent. He sounds like Marshawn Lynch. They wrote a great story. Um, if I'm honest, I'm pretty sure you'll never hear a black person say a single bad thing about the movie. And while that's important, um, it's kind of hard to have nuanced discussions on it, but I'm not going to be the person that says anything bad about it. Like, if a person actually talks bad about the movie, it'd be at the dinner table and never in a platform for uh, people who aren't of color to actually hear. Now, um, I'm not here to spoil the movie. Uh, I want everybody to check it out. But here's one of the things that uh, made the movie interesting to me. I think that uh, a lot of the way that people dressed up to show their support um, for African heritage or like, you know, black power. You had people wearing like leather outfits like they're in the Black Panther movement. Um, you had a lot of people wearing dashikis in traditional African uh, attire. Now, uh, I look at this two different ways, right? One of the things uh, that I personally wanted to look at and how I saw it with my own background growing up, we never experienced um, African culture as being sort of pop culture or popular. It was always looked at as being different or weird. And because of that, if I'm honest, um, I've had my own struggles with how to actually view it and to how to view traditional African garments. Um, in terms of being comfortable wearing it, I can't say that growing up I was, you know, always down for showing somebody something different and why that's important. Um, I can kind of relate that to a story that I have. My mom actually wanted to wear a traditional, um, African outfit to my high school graduation. And looking back at it, this is something that I can say that now I'm currently ashamed of to say, 
I asked her to switch that out and to change into something that I felt was more comfortable for me. It wasn't necessarily about her, but I didn't want her to represent us in that way. Why I think that uh, Black Panther specifically is important, it allows kids to be comfortable with seeing things that are different than their norm. As a grown-up, we get the chance to honestly see different things, to have the world kind of you know broadened for our own horizons. There are just so many things that are different than what we kind of grow up with in our little own bubbles. And because of that, we tend to have stereotypes and biases. And I say that to say, you know, obviously as a kid, that was a completely stupid move, even if people understand the reason why I did it or why I said it. As a grown up, um, even now, if I'm all the way honest, I have, you know, uh, friends who have who come from African descent. I can't say that I'm completely comfortable with wearing their traditional clothing, but I would never want to disrespect them in any way to make them feel like, you know, anything that they're doing is strange or, or weird. I would always want to support them. So that tends to supersede however I feel or have felt about like wearing different things. Now, this is why I, again, I'm going to stress, I think it's awesome that kids got the chance to see this. At some point, we need to start normalizing um, kind of where we came from. One of the reasons why I could openly talk about this was because I recently got back my DNA results from my heritage from 23andMe. It told me that I'm 88.6% West African. Couldn't really break it down any further than that. But what that basically tells you is that I'm black as fuck. And I'm perfectly cool with being black as fuck. But when you hear that, this is when you have to start being honest with yourself and how you want your uh, legacy to be perceived. I get it. I'm an African-American. Um, I'm proudly from D.C. I grew up in Maryland. Sometimes I talk like I'm from New York. I spent time in L.A. I'm really confused. And a lot of other people are confused about where I'm from, too. But what this test basically told me is we know exactly where you came from. You don't have to be ashamed of like the gold that we wear or the way that we dress. Like it's okay to be proud of that. And because of that, this is why I take pride in actually seeing so many of these outfits being worn. On the flip side, I know that there are people um, of African descent who aren't particularly happy with people dressing up this way. And... While I, I empathize with them because, again, nobody wants what I consider to be something of like, you know, a high value or very regal to be played up as a costume. Like you don't want uh, something that, you know, your kings and your queens wearing to basically become like a party uh, favor. It's an outfit just for a clown show. And while I don't see people doing that, I understand people feeling that way. So I hope that they can see it from my perspective and that they're able to kind of grow from that to say, hey, we're just glad that people are being more accepting of our culture and not necessarily shunning it. Because if we're all the way honest, African-Americans and Africans don't necessarily see eye to eye. There's a lot of friction in that because people make stereotypes. I'm sure I was the kid that, you know, if there was an African person in class when I'm in like second or third grade, ooh, you could be the African booty scratcher. As a grown-up, I'm not making that uh, 
I'm not making those kind of comments. But as a kid, kids are cruel and stupid. You hear things, you think things are cool. You'd rather make fun of somebody else instead of being the person that gets made fun of. So because of that, we're hating on ourselves. There's a certain part of like slave culture that's permeated black people specifically where we tend to hate ourselves. We hate lighter skinned people. We hate darker skinned people all because there was this caste system placed upon us. And because of that, everybody has like these divisions that are artificially created to keep us down even more. So here's one of these ways where we can start breaking these barriers down. We can certainly start by just saying, hey, the movie was dope. I appreciate the fact that people were allowed to dress up and to support the movie in that way. Um, To my African brothers and sisters, please don't take that as disrespect. If you do, uh, talk to somebody, have a conversation with somebody. One of the things that I always tell anybody that listens to the podcast, so many things can be solved through dialogue and conversation. We might not agree, but we can certainly come to an understanding. So um, this is one of these topics that I didn't necessarily want to touch. But given the uh, events of the last week, I feel like it's important to touch it, if I'm honest. Um, And if you're asking what that incident is, um, that would be the school shooting in Florida. Um. It seems like every other month or every six weeks, unfortunately, we have to have this conversation again. When did we get to the point where there's a division and there's a divisive argument between preventing kids from getting shot in schools? Think about that for a second. Kids are literally losing their lives and not in a way that's kind of natural where, you know, things happen that are bad and you might have had an illness or something went wrong. But somebody is actively taking your life with an instrument. And I know a lot of people, um, they like guns. I get it. It's written into the Second Amendment. But I also think that at some point we need to start having common sense Uh, discussions about how we handle these things. I know for a fact that the forefathers could not foresee, you know, uh, guns that had 50 magazine clips and, you know, assault rifles that are literally just tearing people up. I've never seen a real crime scene. And, you know, while there's certainly been images and videos of kind of the people that were on the ground in the school shooting, I don't have the heart to see that. But at the same time, I'm not the person that's telling everybody, maybe you don't need to have a gun. Like at a certain point, we need to start all being honest about kind of where things stand. Here's something that honestly, I feel like we all should be able to agree on. An AR-15, I believe that stands for automatic rifle or assault rifle shouldn't be a, you know, a civilian class weapon. It should be illegal. If you want to own a handgun, I'm not mad at that. If you want to own a shotgun because you think somebody's going to run in your house and you need to protect your family. Again, I'm not mad at that. But there's certainly something to be said for having 
war cl- warfare class weaponry in the public's hands. And I'm not even going to put this all on, you know, the NRA, the gun manufacturing. Honestly, what the fuck is wrong with America? Like, honestly, this is a situation where we always seem to have these acts of violence and nobody really knows what we're doing. I don't want to hit a story of like, you know, how we're so desensitized to violence because, you know, people talk about it in rap music. You see people getting killed in movies. They've been killing people in movies since like, you know, Clint Eastwood was making Westerns. Sure, it might not have been as gory or you might not have seen as much. But why the fuck are kids seeing that type of that type of stuff anyway? Like, let's be all the way real. Your kids shouldn't see half the movies that are coming out now. I love my mom to death. I'm telling you this. As a kid, I saw plenty of movies that I probably shouldn't. But I'm also not the kid that's going out here shooting people. I'm not the person that wants to shoot somebody. Like, to protect my house, I got a bat. It's the same bat that I go to bat and practice with. So if somebody runs up in my crib, you might come out with a broken face, but you're going to live. And I know that that's not funny, but I don't want to have on my conscience killing somebody with a gun, killing somebody at all. So where do we go wrong? Like, why is our society so fucked up that this is how we felt like we feel like, you know what? Something else is going to happen again and nothing's going to be done about it. How do we get to this position where this is literally how we feel as a society? Bad shit's like is going to happen. I never expected as a kid growing up that somebody would run up in my school and shoot everybody. When Columbine came out or when Columbine happened, that was such a shock to everybody that kids of all people would run up into a school assault style and kill people all because they were, you know, they felt bad and they were ostracized and there were so many different things. And I get that. I swear to God, I get that. But clearly as Americans, we need to start addressing some real issues. And one of those issues are why we're turning out and making people the way that we are. Violence here is way up. A lot of times we like to say that we're so moral and we're doing all of these things right. There's something that we are doing way fucking wrong. And until we figure that thing out, that one thing or that those two things, we're in a whole world of trouble and this is only going to keep continuing. I don't want to bring children into the world to live a life like this. Like, I don't want to fear for my, you know, my child in elementary school that, you know, an active shooter can run up in your uh, school and kill them. After what happened in Newtown, you would have thought that Congress or the president or, you know, local authorities, somebody would have been able to do something. Arming people is not the answer. When I was in college, the, th- the thing to, fe- to fear was, you know, kids getting radical and running up in colleges and shooting people. I remember hearing what happened at Virginia Tech. Now we're doing this in high schools, elementary schools. This is crazy. Like, what are we doing to these kids to make them feel like this is the only thing that they can do to be heard? So, again, I don't have the answers for this. Um, it's one of those things that really upsets me. Because I don't really know what we need to do. But it's something that we honestly need to have dialogue on and we need to talk about. And if people who are elected who can do like real work and actually make changes to things to make this happen won't do what we need them to do, 
We need to start voting in a block to get them out of there and get people in there that can. I love hearing the kids from Florida actually talk to directly to congressmen, to senators and say what they want. They're standing up for stuff that unfortunately we as adults haven't been able to do. Like, yeah, every time I see it on TV, I'm like, oh, man, that's really bad. But tweets about, oh, my God, that's terrible. A Facebook post or me making podcasts, that shit's not enough. Like, I need to find something that I can do that can help this situation get better. As an American, as a person, like we're people first. So, I mean, I script so much of my episodes and I write out plans. And this is something that's just been on my heart that I wanted to talk about. Um, I think it sucks. Uh, I always pray for the people that lost their lives and the loved ones that got to kind of pick up the pieces after tragedies like this happen. Um, and that's all I can do. Uh, we got to figure this one out, man. We'll be back after this quick break. in the segment two, um, which I love to say is protect at all costs. Uh, first person up for this week. I want to give a shout out to Stan Lee. Um, if you're not familiar, Stan Lee is the older gentleman. I want to say Stan Lee is in his 80s at this point, who's in every single Marvel movie where he makes a random kind of corny appearance. Uh, what's so cool about Stan Lee? Um, a, not only did he create the Black Panther, but if you're not aware, the X-Men um, is basically his way of addressing racial issues in the United States. Professor X direct uh, inspiration came from um, Martin Luther King. As such, his nemesis, Magneto, uh, his inspiration came from Malcolm X. Now, what makes this a little crazy is that obviously he wanted to show the dichotomy of the person who wanted to be, you know, very passive and peaceful versus the person who thought that might would be the only way that they could kind of free themselves and work themselves out of this situation. Um, given this, I think this is awesome that basically the X-Men is a story of the struggle of black people and that a white guy was the person who decided that this was something that was big enough and bigger than him and he wanted to address it a, a certain way. Arguably, X-Men has been probably, you know, at various points, the most uh, lucrative property that, you know, Marvel owns. It's, it kind of goes between them and Spider-Man a lot of times. Um, so, while I know that Stan Lee's wife passed and he's getting on in years, I think it's dope that he was able to create something that's had such a lasting effect where we see a Black Panther. One of the cool things about Black Panther is he actually fought people in the KKK. 
think about that for a second. You had a white guy in, you know, the 60s civil rights era write a comic book about a person of power that was black that was fighting the KKK. Sort of the same way where, you know, um, Captain America's thing was fighting Nazis and the Germans were really the, the early, uh, I would say, villains of a lot of different things of like the golden age comic books. So I think it's really cool that that's something that uh, this guy created. He continues to kind of work on it and his legacy will live on forever. So uh, first block goes to my man, Stan Lee. Shout out to him. Um, again, I watched X-Men. I don't want to say I like X-Men, but I love X-Men. Uh, I read the comics as a kid. I don't do it anymore because I don't think comics are cool, but I will keep watching the movies. I love the stories. Um, person two this week is none other than LeBron James. Now, first and foremost, right? Um, I hate King James, the basketball player. I hate the decision. I hated the heatles. And I really, really hate the Cavs. Um, outside of his decision to make the sevens, the tens, and the fifteens, all of his sneakers are whack to me. Um, one of the things that I really hated was that he is personally responsible for putting my Chicago Bulls out of the playoffs mad different times. We've never beat him. And I said my Chicago Bulls like I'm a member of the team where I own it, but like, yo, that's how I felt it. Now, why I say I want to protect him at all costs, uh, Laura Ingram basically had some things to say. Uh, and the gist of her argument was that because he didn't graduate high school and, you know, he makes $100 million a year, that he's not in a place where he should ever talk about the president. So she wants him to shut up and dribble. I don't necessarily have a problem with her, her stick being shut up and do something. What I do have a problem with is the way that she phrased her, her argument. The point that she made and what made it just so terrible for most of us was that it was just wrong. He did graduate from high school. He doesn't make $100, $100 million a year playing basketball. He might make 100 mil, but it ain't playing basketball. He's got a bunch of different businesses and things that he does. But here's why I really want to protect him, because as a basketball player, fuck him. As a human being and as a man, I have nothing but the utmost respect for him. This is a kid who literally has been under the public microscope and eye since he was 16 years old and literally was, you know, anointed the chosen one for the sport. That's a lot of pressure to put on a person who has literally lived his life. And I want to say, you know, he's made it through 15, 16 years in the NBA and hasn't had any problems. That's a huge, huge deal. That's one. Two. Not only has he given back, he's done way more and above average than, you know, your average athlete does. He's certainly active with his voice and in his community. Um, he's designed not only a number of different foundations that help kids that were like him from his own local area from Akron to kind of put them through school, but he's put real money behind it. So, like, I feel like a lot of people have these foundations and shit just for PR and just because they need the tax write off. 
LeBron put $40 million into a program to help kids basically go, you know, through school, um, through college to kind of graduate to make sure that they're okay. And that's just one of the things he's done. He's opening a charter school in his area because he wants education to be important. Even though he didn't go to college, he's certainly pushing people because everybody doesn't have the God-given talents that he's had. Yes, his work ethic has been dope and he works hard to be, you know, the best player in basketball that he can be. But I certainly see that, you know, just from a, a philanthropist um, perspective, you have got to respect the things that he's doing. So I'm not the kind of person where I feel like no one's able to speak on things regardless of what your expertise is. We all have an opinion. I may not like your opinion. Your opinion can be whack. Laura Ingram is certainly entitled to hers, but what she shouldn't do is paint people in a certain light where that then makes things divisive for them. You hammer him on the facts. If you think that Donald Trump is great, you hit him on why Donald Trump is great. You don't have to personalize your attacks to him. Regardless of whatever he said, you're not somebody's attack dog. This is why I'm not attacking Laura Ingram. I could go in, I could make some jokes. I can certainly talk about, you know, her use of grammar and how it wasn't as great as she wanted it to be. But let's be honest, a lot of times we don't all speak with proper English. That does not mean that a person is not intelligent. One of the things that we need to certainly learn is that sometimes a book is certainly not uh, representative of what its cover is. You cannot judge that book because maybe it doesn't come in the way that you want it to look. Maybe the cover is just blank. Maybe it's not, you know, full of color. You've got to open it up and read it. So, you know, shout out to LeBron. I see all of the great things that you're doing. Um, again, fuck you as a uh, as a Cleveland Cavalier. I uh, hope that the Warriors keep beating you. But as a man, I have nothing but the utmost respect for you. And if you actually hear this, this is a joke because at 6'8", 270, I really can't mess with you. So I just don't want that beef. All right, last but not least, um, I think I wanna say that I wanna protect black people at all costs. Yes, we have civil rights legislation. Yes, we have black Twitter. But the reason why I wanna protect black people in our image, because if I see one more whitewashing of a Beyonce statue, if I see another white Cleopatra that isn't Elizabeth Taylor in the movie, I don't know if I can take it anymore. And while we're at it, let's just dispel the notion that Jesus was white. Jesus was not a white man. Probably wasn't a black man either. He more than likely looks like Saddam Hussein, but that's a whole nother story. But with Black Panther coming out last week, um, this is one of those movies where I can consider it a blockbuster that I remember being having an all black cast since maybe like what coming to America. Yeah, I love the best man. Um, I love the best man holiday. I loved a lot of those 90s kind of like movies where we had the new black rat pack kind of come in or I'll call them the black super friends. But none of those movies from, you know, uh, the brothers uh, so many of them, the wood, they didn't have the chance to make this kind of money. So I really think that it's cool, uh, that we protect, um, what I consider to be black people and our likeness and our creativity. 
so often a lot of the things we do seem to be demagogued or um or demonized when we do it if somebody else picks up on it it's okay and it's cool i want to say that uh wearing braids isn't necessarily work appropriate but when bo derrick did it it was cool when kim kardashian did it again it was cool it broke the internet and i'm not trying to like disparage them for doing what they thought was like cool i don't have a problem with them so i don't want anybody to think that i'm hating on kim or i'm hating on bo i just want to like point out the black culture is popping it always has been I remember being the kid where I was one of three black kids in my middle school and everybody thought I was the coolest kid walking. Whatever I did, other kids wanted to do. Everybody wanted to be my friend. Yeah, racism exists, and I won't take that away from anybody. But I certainly remember being in a situation where I am an extreme minority and how kids followed and did the things that I did. So um, I want to say... Uh, Let's protect us and our ideas. And let's keep this thing moving forward. And I want to give a bonus one this week. Um, normally, I only want to stick to three people. But I've been really following uh, a guy um, and his online presence for a while. So I want to give him a shout out first. We need to protect Gilbert Arenas at all costs. I know that in real life, uh, Javaris Crittenden, the guy that brought the gun to the um, locker room that got into it with, with Gil is locked up. So, you know, he's not going to try to murk Agent Zero. But I love that Gil has no filter. After Complex or Joe Budden or whoever fucked up Everyday Struggle and messed up my favorite show, they've kind of gone all in on Gil and what he's doing. At one point, they had his co-host be a porn star, and I'm so glad that they got her the entire fuck out of here. But, like, let's talk about this for a second. Who thought it was a good idea to give a porn star a show? No shade to, like, porn stars because I'm sure everybody's watched Pornhub a day in their life. But, like, I don't care what she has to say. Like, what entitles you to talk about sports? Like, I, I don't know. And I know that that sounds terrible, but I, I just don't care. Being a groupie is not enough. So, I get it. Groupies love athletes and they love money, but I, I just wasn't there for that. So I'm super glad that they got her out of there. And now it's just Gil and like some other people as they talk about stuff. And I need to stop calling them Gil like we're friends. We're not friends. So um, here's where I think Gilbert is legendary. He threw arguably the biggest party in the history of the DMV. Um, if you're not familiar, when he played for the Wizards, he rented out at the time, which was the largest nightclub in the area. And I want to say maybe the country, which was Dream or Love. I don't know which one it was at the time when he rented it out. But basically, it's four stories. He had a birthday party there, spent like mad money. And basically, the, the night was locked down just for him and his guests. Anybody that was a guest got a credit card sent to them in the mail as a, as a pass. It's the only way you could get in. So shout out to him. That, that, that was just on an epic level troll. Like that was dope. Um, I think we probably want to, again, uh, protect him because he was stupid enough to pull out a gun on his teammate for not paying him from a bet from the plane. Stupid, stupid, stupid. So maybe we need to protect him from himself. But most importantly, 
I want to protect him because he speaks his mind. Anybody that's willing to speak their mind and say whatever they want to say, especially when they're throwing shots at people on the gram, it's free 99 entertainment for me and I'm here for all of it. I don't love everything he says. He certainly says some really stupid shit sometimes, but so do I. And people are still here. We're still my friends. I hope. But if not, it's okay. I'm speaking my truth. So uh, while people will hate that I'm actually trying to protect him while I follow him on the gram, um, I'm here for all of his shade that he throws his ex-fiance. Uh, I'm here for all of the times that he is running his kids around to death because they all play basketball. So, you know, he seems like a great dad because he's there. Um, I'm here for his TV show. I'm here for him trolling people and saying what he feels. I'm here for that whole shit. So please, let's protect these four people at all costs. In order, Stan Lee, first up on that list. Number two, LeBron James. I'm considering black people as somebody that I want to protect at all costs right now. And last but not least, uh, Mr. Gilbert Arenas. So uh, this is episode 43 of the Real World. I touched on a bunch of different things today, um, but I'm glad everybody's here with me. And I hope you have a great week. Be productive. And I will see you next week. Peace. And before I forget, happy birthday to me, bro. We out.